Welcome to The Blitz. It's your hosts, C. Frank and Tom. Uh, This week, we're going to dive right in. And this week, we are looking at the NFC and AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year candidates. We're going to kind of break down the top three guys um, for each and kind of think who and kind of let you guys know who we think is going to take it. So I'm going to start right away um, going into the AFC offense. Um, the current three top three guys is Darian Spearman, um, halfback of the Chargers, Matthias Crowther, wide receiver for the Jets, and then Carlos Phillips, wide receiver for the Raiders. So Spearman right now has 1,100 yards on the ground and is averaging about five and a half yards per carry. So a pretty healthy average, um, 92.8 yards per game with 10 touchdowns and 22 broken tackles. And he only has like four catches for like 20 some yards. <clears throat> um, the Jets wide receiver Crowther has a thousand thirty-three yards, so a little bit less yards than Spearman, um, but he has a seventeen point eight yards per catch average, averaging about eighty-six yards per game with eight touchdowns. And then Carlos Phillips there with the Raiders, uh, he has even less yards than the Jets. It kind of seems like there's a little bit of a divide from one and two down the list. Uh, Raiders Raiders receiver has 779 yards. He has a 15 yards per catch average. And then he has five touchdowns. And he's only getting about 65 yards per game. So in my opinion, I really think that Spearman will probably be the guy that runs away with this. Just because Chargers look like they're pushing to the playoffs. Jets and Raiders... Jets could still make the playoffs. The AFC East is kind of a uh, up for grabs, even with a losing record. But I just think the running back, he leads in touchdowns. He's leading in yards per game. I really think he's going to uh, take it. So do you want to talk about the NFC offense, Tom? Sure, we'll move over here. Uh, So starting off, we have Michael Baptiste, who is the halfback for Minnesota. And then the second guy is Antoine Robertson, halfback for the Bears. And lastly, it is Armstrong, who is halfback for the Bucks. So we'll go into their stats a little bit here. So for Baptiste, who is the leading back so far for Minnesota, he has 152 carries, 1,237 yards for an 8.1 average, 16 touchdowns on the year, 112.5 average yards per game. He's got one fumble, one broken tackle, a 71-yard long run, and six receptions for 38 yards. Something with him, which is interesting as well, is his backup halfback, Reddick, has taken a huge chunk of his workload this year. He's got 863 yards on 134 carries. They actually only have a difference of 20 downs played. 
Uh, next up, we go to Chicago for Antoine Robertson. So they got rid of Tariq Cohen in the offseason, drafted this guy to replace him. He's got 127 attempts, 765 yards for a 6.0 average, 10 touchdowns on the year, 63.8 per game average, one fumble, five broken tackles, a 63-yard long run. And then he by far has the most receptions out of any of the halfbacks on this list. 32, 342 yards, and one touchdown. And lastly, we have Tampa Bay's power back, who has 77 attempts on the year for 727 yards, a 9.4 average with 12 touchdowns, 60.6 per game with zero fumbles, six broken tackles, a 75-yard long run, and he's just got five receptions for 19 yards. Even more so with him, their other halfback, Simon, is taking a huge chunk of this guy's load. Simon has 401 snaps played compared to Armstrong, who only has 157. The way I'm looking at it, which I'm sure most people are, this is Baptista's race to lose. He by far is the best back. The you know Robertson is... 500 yards behind him. The only thing he's got going from is the receiving yards. He's got such an advantage over touchdowns. As far as Armstrong goes, he has he is just losing so much time to Simon that he can't keep up. This is really Baptiste's race. Um, I don't I don't see anyone else really even having a chance to win this. To be honest with you. Yeah, and I think Baptiste, he's in the MVP race, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that we covered last week. So, I mean, could be a double threat there. Um, so then we'll jump kind of back to the AFC uh, Defensive Rookies of the Year. Um, I'm just going to be the first one to kind of admit that I don't really think anyone has eye-popping stats in the AFC for defense. Um, I really think any of these guys could, you know, heat up and run away with it. I think someone, you know, under these top three could definitely, you know, heat up, have a couple big games and carry them. Um, so right now the top three is Dakota Stevens. He's a middle linebacker for the Steelers. Raheem Buckner, left end for the Ravens. And then Richard Beckman, corner for the Jets. So, Stevens, the middle linebacker for the Steelers, he has 33 tackles, four for loss, and five picks. That's it. He's number one right now on the board. Um, Number two is Buckner, the left end for the Ravens. He has 28 tackles, so a little bit less, but he's also playing left end, so he's kind of playing one, you know, one side of the field. So 28 tackles, five for loss, and then seven and a half sacks. So I think if he, you know, has a big game, has a couple sack, you know, double sack games, um, he definitely can move, you know, into that number one spot. And then Beckman, the cornerback for the Jets, he has 44 tackles, which is funny because he has the most tackles out of Buckner and Stevens, and you don't really think a corner is going to log um, so many tackles. He has three tackles for loss. He also has a sack, and he has one interception. So Beckman kind of does a little bit of everything for the Jets. 
I think the Jets are really going to need Beckman to step up if they want to make the playoffs because it's really tight down there with uh, them, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Um, so personally, I just think Beckman um, is going to be the guy that moves up. He does a little bit of everything. Stevens doesn't seem like he rushes the passer from middle linebacker. He's he's more of a coverage linebacker. And while Buckner is getting sacks, he only has seven and a half. So if you kind of pace that out, he's probably only going to get a couple more unless he goes off. So I think it's uh, I think Beckman's going to move up and take that in the AFC. I think you hit the nail on the head there. They uh, they all look average at best with no eye popping stats. If I were have to take a pick out of the three, I would say that Buckner looks like he is the guy that would win it just because of his sacks. But honestly, I mean, like you said, like a fifth a fifth guy that we don't have listed could end up having a big few games and taking it. Um, so onto the NFC, we have some of the same, you know, it, it, I think it's a, I think it's definitely a two man race here. So the first guy we have is Mateo Aguayo, middle linebacker for the Bucks, and then Josh Jacobs, who is a strong safety for the Bucks. And third is Gerald Clancy, free safety for the Lions. So Aguayo stats first, he has 60 tackles on the, on the year, 12 tackles for loss, one sack, five interceptions, and one forced fumble. Josh Jacobs, a strong safety, 58 tackles, five tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, and three interceptions. So he's got a few less tackles, quite a bit less tackles for loss, and two less picks on the year. And last, the safety for the Lions, Gerald Clancy, 59 tackles, three tackles for loss, zero sacks, and three interceptions. So between Jacobs and Clancy, these guys have have pretty similar number numbers. They're a difference of one tackle, two tackles for loss, a sack and a half, and the same for interceptions. So they're on pace. They can flip flop. We don't know who's going to end up where for them, but I, I definitely think Aguayo is the guy to beat. He he's got way more tackles for loss. He's got a couple more picks in them and the forced fumble. I definitely think he is the guy. I know he also just unlocked Enforcer. And I know Rhino is real happy about that. So that could change a couple things coming down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you compare these stats to, like, the AFC, your three AFC guys you have, these guys would easily be one, two, three in the AFC over those three guys. It, it, it's, it is definitely a pretty pretty drastic difference between the two. That's uh... – that's pretty interesting. It would it would be really neat to compare, you know, I wonder if the NFC just kind of had a better draft in general or, you know, they're just playing, you know, the NFC is just playing more rookies, you know, they're getting more time because, um, yeah, the AFC is just not very strong. No, but but we'll, we will uh, move over now into Pickums. Um, do you have our numbers from last week, Tom? I do. Um, so last week, your lock was Cleveland over Tennessee, which... I'm uh, sorry, this is week 11, but it's the last one that we did. Cleveland over Tennessee. Oh! Which, <laughs> yeah, I texted you that night about that. Tennessee pulled a huge upset over Cleveland. I can't believe they lost that one. So you did not get that right. I and lost then you, my lock. You lost Thanks, your Sonny. lock. <laughs> 
And then you had Ravens over Pats, and Ravens did win for your upset. I believe it was by Ooh. one point, 24-23. I had my lock as Niners over the Redskins, and the Niners did end up winning in overtime. My upset, I had Raiders over Chargers, and the Raiders did not win. And my bonus question was Eagles against the Colts, and Kylo had minus 19. I took Kylo with minus 19, and they did win by a larger spread than that. So I got the bonus question right. Because, so, because hold on, hold on. <laughs> Falco, you had 19-point buffer. You had to stay within 19, and you lost 30-0. to zero. I want to blitz you so bad, but Tom won't let me blitz you again. (laughs) So, if you keep losing this way, I will blitz you again. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, as it has been for much of the season, we are currently tied at eight apiece. Um, so yeah, so, so we'll pick this week and then we're probably going to have one more pick left before the year ends. And we're going to have to try to fi- figure out some kind of tiebreaker in case we, uh, in case we're tied after that as well. Smart. And now remember guys, uh, the loser of our pick is providing a gift card for you guys. And all you guys got to do. You know, we're not going to tell you exactly what you got to do, but just make sure you're following us on Twitter and interacting with us. And we're going to pick one of you guys based off um, some hidden criteria. So uh, look forward to that as the season is winding down. Heed heed the advice of this man if you want this $20. All right. Anyway, let's get to the picks. So for week 14, which we should be advancing to tonight... Mm-hmm. Um, I have my lock. I'm going with the Niners again, this time over Arizona. I just think that I, I think that King's team is just vastly superior. Jokes has been struggling this year. King is really trying hard to stay above Ura in that NFC West race, so he needs it. He's going to bring his A game, and I think it's going to be an easy win for him. For my upset, this was a tough one because we were both talking about this. There is just not a lot of good upset picks this week. Uh, so I had to go with the Redskins over the Saints for mine. I I just didn't think there was anything better. I don't necessarily think the Redskins are going to beat you, but that's my pick this week. We'll see what happens with it. I definitely could lose. I'm very inconsistent, as everyone here knows, but... I'm not real happy with that, but whatever. Anyways, my lock is also the same as yours with the Niners over the cards. Um, King's rolling. He wants to just keep pushing into the playoffs. Juggs is looking to the offseason. We blitzed him last week, kind of talking about his defense and stuff. And, you know, I think he's at one win right now still. So, you know, doesn't look good over there in Arizona. My upset, um, as Tom has alluded to, was very hard to pick. It was very hard to find a losing team that I thought, or, you know, a worse record team that's going to actually upset somebody. So this is kind of low-key, you know, maybe not really a upset, but I'm going to pick the Dolphins over the Jets. 
The Dolphins, I believe, have four wins. The Jets have five. And I believe they are playing uh, for the lead of the division with, you know, four and five wins, which I can't fathom when I've missed the playoffs. I've missed the playoffs over here at 10 wins I don't know how many times. But I think the Dolphins, um, they just run the ball really well. Um, I just think they're going to... It's going to be a tight game, but I think the Dolphins are going to uh, get Joey Johnson going. Yeah, it should be a good one. So, okay, so it's your turn this week for the bonus question against the spread. Mm-hmm. This one's interesting now, okay? So I didn't think you were going to pick this game, but you did. So mm-hmm. I made a spread for the Jets and Dolphins game, okay? Mm-hmm. okay. So you were you were almost... I don't want to say you were forced into picking the Dolphins over the Jets, but... There was very limited options. Your options are completely open now. Okay. So, I see the Jets as a favorite. I'm looking on their points per game. They are scoring, on average, five points more per game than the Dolphins. And they are allowing three points more per game. So, they're they're scoring five more more per game, but they are allowing three more per game. I went with the Jets as the favorite here, and I'm giving them five. So do you take the Dolphins getting five over the Jets? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, as you've kind of said, it's it's almost like I've cornered myself now into picking the Dolphins. But, But you can either double down here and go and get neither of them or get them both, or... You can take the Jets here, and you can possibly... You're probably not going to get them both then. Well, you won't get them both then. But you could at least guarantee yourself to get one of them. Yeah, I'm going the Dolphins there. and double down and uh, go up on you. And then next week's, you know, really not even going to matter, and you're going to owe $20. So, um, smooth. Dolphins beat the Jets. Lot riding on this. So... All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes next week. All right. And then uh, we're going to turn this over now into everyone's favorite segment, The Blitz. Um, you know, it, it gets harder and harder, I feel like, um, you know, to blitz. You know, find something to blitz. And this week it's going to be a little different because... We've been blitzing, you know, really bad guys lately or like really bad decisions or just, you know, something in their scheme that's really failing, you know, more like, you know, of a season long look. And this week, it's going to be a little different in that we're kind of blitzing like just an awful, awful performance. And it's something we didn't really expect. So... This week, we're kind of going into Denver, and we are blitzing the Denver Broncos. Now, I know the Denver Broncos, they're like, they're 9-3. and three. They're sitting pretty well in terms of, you know, making the playoffs. You know, they could be the one seed in the AFC, but they definitely could fall off. But what happened the other week here is um, astonishing, and... What happened was they played the Colts, and the Colts have not won a game yet. And they had like a 56, 56 to 47 shootout with the Colts. 
The Colts have not won a game. How are you the num- trying to be the number one team in the AFC and you let the Colts score 47 on you? Can you imagine what J-Rod will do if you play that kind of defense against him? You're in trouble. The Colts have scored 105 points up until that game. So that single game increases their points per game by almost 50%. They were averaging like under 10 points per game. So not even a touchdown and a field goal per game. Um, you, you, you just can't be, you can't play that way against a good team. You, when you play the Colts or, you know, they, they have the Cardinals coming up, um, you know, some other losing teams, you have to finish them off by halftime. Um, the Broncos have the Chargers, Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals left. They have four games left and they're sitting at nine and three. So if you start to break it down, um, they play the Chargers this week. I believe it's on Showdown. Make sure you guys check that out. It's going to be a big, big game because Joey and the Chargers are are going to give them everything they have. Joey wants this game. If he makes it by that or what, you know, whatever happens, he's got the Rams and the Seahawks next. Both of those teams run the ball very well. They are difficult to stop. I guarantee they're both harder to defend than the Colts are. And then they'll play the Arizona Cardinals to wrap up the season who are looking to play spoiler. Um, when, when you just like, when you start to look at it, um, so... They all, they all sit at 9-3 and three in the AFC West. The Texans have their division locked up. Someone wins the AFC East, because <laughs> that's a whole other story. And then the Steelers are 8-3, and three, and then the Browns are 7-5. and five. So the odd man out will either be the Steelers or, Bron- Steelers or Browns, or one of the AFC West teams if they fall off. So the Broncos got some leeway, um, but like, if if they play like that, they're going to lose. You know, they could lose. You very easily could lose this Chargers game. Rams and Ura, they want it. They could lose that game. Now you're in trouble because you have the Seahawks. That's a winnable game. But he he could run right through you. I've had times where I've played Heartless and he just runs right through me and I have no chance. And then he plays Jugs. And if Jugs has Andy Isabella working, he's in trouble. So I know what I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear, well, Cody, uh, you know, they gave up 47, but he scored 56 points. You know, 56 points is a lot of points. But the Colts give up 33 points per game to everybody. So dropping 56, to me, isn't really that impressive. When you look at a team like the Eagles, who played the Colts a few weeks back, and everyone knows Kylo and the Eagles, 
no matter what their team is, he's competing. He's a contender. You look at him, he's one of the guys to beat. He plays the Colts. They win 30-0. to zero. It's an easy game for him. There's, there's not really, you know, that's a game you're, you turn on on the TV, you see the score, you see they're up by a couple scores, and you're like, well, the Colts ain't coming back because they're playing the Eagles, and you just flip the channel. That's the kind of performance the Broncos need against teams like at least Arizona, maybe Seattle. They have to play the Chargers tight, beat the Chargers. If they can beat the Chargers... They're sitting pretty, but I really just hope that the Broncos don't fall short these last few weeks because they've been one of my more, you know, more favorite teams to kind of pay attention to this season. And with their defensive standout and just, you know, they like to throw the ball around and they have a fun offense and Winston, you know, Winston's rolling. They can be fun and they can compete with anybody. But if they trend in the wrong direction, like the way they played this last game, they will be in trouble. Tom, do you have anything else that I didn't cover there? I think you said it perfect. There's a couple quick, there's two quick things I want to, uh, to mention just to kind of put it all into perspective. We're, we're finishing up week 12 right now. Okay. So, Teams have scored close to 400 points. I think that a couple teams might actually be into the 400s at this point. But a lot of teams are in the 300s and stuff. So like, there's a lot of points that have been scored. We've been through a lot of weeks. If you increase your point total by 50%, almost 50% in one week, in the 12th <laughs> week, that's crazy. Like That's showing you just how much the Broncos let up compared to what the Colts were scoring. And one final thing. It took the Colts into week seven to score more than 47 points through all their games combined into week seven and the Broncos let it up in one game. And this isn't a knock on the Colts. It's a knock on how bad the Broncos played defense this, this week. It was disgusting. And I guess just my final note on this is the Broncos still have a very good shot at making the playoffs. And I hope you use this to motivate you and carry you in. But you're going to play J-Rod and the Chiefs at some point again. And I know you guys split. Your defense has to come ready. Whatever it takes these next four weeks to make sure that never happens again, do it. Because the Chiefs are going to be very tough. And the Colt... And not... And the Texans, who play in the Colts division, uh, they have quite an offense or quite an offensive potential, too. So you're going to face, you know, the Chiefs might ending up face the Texans. Um, You know, there's a couple other teams in the AFC that have really good, you know, pretty good offenses. But your defense cannot fail. Your defense... You know, one play against J-Rod and Tyree Kill is taking it to the house. So, I just hope you, uh, hope you learn something, Denver. And, uh, you know, prove me wrong that, you know, this just can't happen again. 
And uh, I guess that's about it for the show. Tom, is there any final remarks? Nope. I'm excited to get this season over with, get into the playoffs, see how it all goes. And uh, yeah, hopefully it should be a good ending. Four weeks, guys. Four weeks. Now's the time to uh, tighten up and, uh, you know, win the games you need to win and push into the playoffs. But uh, that's that's it for us. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys later.